You like that bass, Tom? I like it. Not bad. In these times, I knew you'd like it. Well, we should get this out of the way as quickly as possible, shouldn't we? Um, Tom, welcome back, by the way. Happy Thanksgiving for those of you who are listening to this on Thursday or Wednesday or whatever. Thanksgiving is this week in America. If you're Always not in happy, America, uh, happy Thanksgiving back. anyway. Um, Very special would, holiday episode. Hol- yeah, actually, I, I, I was requested to do a Christmas episode for Patreon, and I don't know what that is, but the thought of like doing a themed holiday. I mean, I did a, a, a Halloween-themed episode, um, and now there's a Christmas one, and I was thinking about that. I'm actually excited about doing that. Um, but... I'll, you know, it'd be nice to be thankful for something on that Dazen card, but there's nothing. Um, oh boy! <laughs> I'm gonna breeze through this because it wasn't good, wasn't good. So I'll breeze through this. I have some some notes to say, and then Tom, I know you didn't watch it. Good for you. Um, so I'll just breeze nope, through this because very few people were there and very few people watched it. So I am very, very quick question: What did the crowd look like? Oh, that's. Wait and wait till I finish what I'm about to say. I'm going to answer that question. Okay, so I don't know if there's any press. Like, I don't know any of the people on the press that were actually there. So it's very likely that we will never know what the attendance was for this fight. Maybe somebody tweeted it out. I don't know. And I'm going to contact the commission and see if they'll give me the number. Who knows if they will or they won't. But hey, they. I already don't have it. So, you know, what does it hurt to ask? But... Needless to say, okay, it was pretty bad. So I looked up the arena. The arena seats between a court, like for a concert, it seats between five to six thousand. Okay, five to six thousand. They only used about three fourths of the arena. So let's just be generous and say that the capacity, like for paid attendance, was forty five hundred. All right. So that's just like the total capacity. Forty five hundred would have been a sellout. The way it looked on TV, it looked like it was maybe, and I'm going to be generous here and say one-third full, which would give us, if you're doing math, 1,400 capacity, just a little bit over 1,400, okay? Like, so it's very likely that the max capacity that they did was 1,400, and by the time Clarissa Shields came on, who was the co-main event, the fight before the main event, Jarrell Miller... It legitimately legitimately looked like there were only 500 people in the arena, if that. The crowd was dead silent for most of the night for the for the Nico Hernandez card, which everyone apparently was there for. Crowd was pretty quiet. They got a dull fight. Uh, most of the fights were pretty bad. The Rios Alvarez fight was okay. It had some nice moments. There was some violence in it. But in the end, it was two guys way past their primes, and that might be even saying too much because who knows if Ramon Alvarez ever had a prime, and they were just slugging away. Um, Shields hasn't quite adjusted to the pro style. She's really trying, but like she just can't create openings for her opponent. Nico Hernandez actually has a very uh, similar problem, and both were equally flat, although decisive in their performances. And the Jarrell Miller fight was what you would expect for a guy who's basically fighting like once a month. Which is to say, the opponent certainly looked good on paper, but wasn't very good in execution, and Jarrell Miller stopped him. So, any questions you have for me, or should we move on? Um, I was surprised on the Reddit uh, fight thread. There was a surprising amount of posts saying the main event was fixed. What did, what did people mean by that? I mean, look, I don't, I've said before, I think that comments like that are stupid, and I think people were being facetious. But what, uh, what, what was that about? What did the main event look like? Uh, the the Miller 
versus yeah, the Miller Dino fight. fight. Yeah. Um, well, Miller lost the first two rounds. Probably he showed that he's really hittable when you throw a jab at him. And if you throw a jab, he eats the punches. But Dinu basically gassed out towards the end of the second, uh, indefinitely into the third, and in the fourth round, he basically just got stopped. Well, really, nothing interesting. So, another question: Would you say, in terms of quality, did any of these fights rise to the level of being an undercard on a boxing after dark card? Hmm. Mm, that's a good question. And, um, well, I'll I'll answer this way. What year are you asking? Because if we're talking 2015, this does not qualify any of these fights as a boxing after dark undercard, with the exception of maybe the Jarrell Miller uh, fight. Um, But if we're talking 2018, boxing after dark, oh yeah, there were several fights on this card that could have been on the (laughs) undercard of a boxing, I mean... (sighs) This yeah. fits squarely in with Superfly 3 level of uh, matchups. Nah, Superfly 3 was solid. Was it, though? It was solid. Donnie Nantes versus Kazuto Ioka, solid. Okay. Um, but <laughs> how does it match up with the, the Golden Boy boxing after dark cards? Yeah. Are we talking ESPN 2 cards? This is about on par with that. Yeah, well, so that's the question then. So it's like, where do we drop down? So it's like, how does... The, I mean, is this was this on the level of, like, a Golden Boy ESPN2 card? Um, yes, except on paper, the matchups seemed a lot better than they actually were. Okay. Um, did they, though? <laughs> I, I don't know. I say that as someone who is clearly very pessimistic about it. Anyway, yeah, I don't have a lot more to say about this, but what does this do for DAZN's fortunes and Match from US? Like, what was even the point of this happening? Good question. I wanted to get into this a little later with the PBC thing, but I'll t- I want to talk about streaming in general. Okay, so we're going to throw away this card. We're going to talk about Dazen. We're going to talk about Fox. We're going to talk about ESPN and ESPN+. Plus. Okay, so here's a problem that I see with boxing on the whole coming up that nobody's talking about, but this is a legitimate problem. There's a reason why we keep talking about streaming as the future, but streaming just hasn't quite caught on the way people think. If streaming, and I'm going to steal a, um, a line from Rollins, who's been on the podcast in the past and, and serves as like a consultant, advisor, and a manager for me. <laughs> You're Al Heyman? Uh, something like, no, he's, he's more of like, uh, he's more of like my, like Sam Watson, but, (laughs) but he said, look, streaming, if streaming were, was actually going to take off, like people say it is, and people say that, why are movies still getting released in theaters? This is the whole argument of like, we should kill pay-per-view, right? No, no. Okay. Releasing a film in in theaters, it like yeah, you have to you know print the 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 or get the films and send them out to three thousand theaters across the country when versus just uploading it right. Streaming isn't the future, it's not, and the reason why is because you take away or you basically put a ceiling on earnings. Streaming is not the future, and here's another problem that I see with stream streaming that. Dazen specifically is going to run into, unless these Michael Buffer Canelo commercials can actually convince people to sign up for the product, I don't think so. With with the traditional TV model, so like we're talking ESPN, Fox, Showtime, you have like 
what I would call like a drive-by viewer who is watching TV and maybe they were on the TV uh, on that channel already or they were watching something else and flipping channels and they come across your product. With streaming, boxing cannot grow. The only people that will watch a boxing event who are, when, when it comes to streaming, are people who already like it, who are already fans, who are already interested in the fight. But you can't grow from there. How do you grow? How many people are actually signing up for free trials when you offer them because, oh, I wonder what this is all about and let me sign up. That number is very, very small. The future of streaming that everyone's talking about is not here and will not be here for the foreseeable future. And so, I don't want to make this clear, okay? Tom, does this come off like I'm being a hater here? Not really, but I'm still waiting to respond. Yeah, I definitely have thoughts. Okay, Um, I just want, this is the last thing. I want to make it clear that I'm not trying to hate on streaming. I love streaming. I subscribe to Dazen. I have ESPN Plus. I have Netflix. You know, I have streaming services and I love them. I love ESPN Plus, although their quality is pretty bad sometimes. Dazen's quality buffers sometimes, but I love the product. Okay, I like to just fast forward through stuff. But here's the thing. I'm in the minority. I'm already a boxing fan. Now, maybe they can sell me on Bellator or something, but like, I'm not going to watch Bellator because I've tr- seen it before and it wasn't good. So like, I, I just want to say that, like, I'm not like trying to hate on Days and I'm not trying to hate on ESPN Plus as a streaming platforms, but at, for us to sit here and say, oh, the stream, like streaming is the future, blah, 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 we're killing pay-per-view, blah, blah, blah. Not quite. There's, st- there's no path for growth when it comes to streaming, at least today in our landscape of boxing and, and sports today. What's your response? Sure. So, I mean, I think definitely separate the zone from ESPN Plus and Fox from that. I mean, there are different ways of looking at it. But we talked about this when uh, the when DAZN actually launched. You know, there had been a lot of speculation about what it was. And then once it actually launched and we saw what it was. And really, I think there's a distinction that um, DAZN is in a place where HBO and Showtime have been, which is basically you're hiding content behind a paywall to try to get people to pay for the paywall, which is not a thing which, you know, expands the notoriety of those, you know, things. It's a thing which like, you know, uh, Canelo is selling his brand value in order, you know, it's like he's not going to be fighting in front of a huge number of eyeballs, but he gets guaranteed money in order to uh, get people to buy his own subscription. So that's, that's in great contrast, say, to like the ESPN deal where they're alternating back between ESPN plus and normal ESPN. So the idea is like, here we give Terrence Crawford a lot of uh, publicity on ESPN. Millions of people watch it. And then we put his next fight behind paywall. And then hopefully people sign up for that fight. And if this is done well, you have fighters and, you know, cards alternating back and forth between both where you can both build up the brand and then get people to pay for the paywall. And, you know, Fox is a similar thing. You have a steeper paywall instead of a monthly subscription, but, you know, it looks like they're going to be doing pay-per-views. So it's like you you show the cards on Fox, you show the cards on FS1, you build up these fighters, you build up the interest in boxing in the brand of, like, PBC on Fox. And then when you have a, the very biggest fight, you do a pay-per-view. So it's the DAZN model I am more pessimistic about because I see it as you're seeing it, which is you're taking the existing uh, boxing fans, you're putting content behind a paywall, and that is not a thing which is going to grow boxing fans. You're taking the existing boxing fans and you're trying to get money out of them. Excited about Fox and ESPN. Um, I say Fox, but PBC 
and uh, ESPN because, you know, you have the ability to really grow the boxing audience in a much healthier way. I mean, you're, you're excuse in me, a, a, a much healthier version of the sport way. economy. Yeah, where it's like you're showing – uh, well, it's funny to say traditional because like boxing hadn't been on network television for a long time and only very low profile fights have been on ESPN. I mean, this is a reason why I'm very excited about the current state of the sport where, again, it's like you expose the sport to a lot of eyeballs and then you put some of the best fights behind the paywall. I mean, it's funny. Um, I'll just comment quickly before I throw it back to you. It's interesting that ESPN Plus, we really haven't seen what it's going to end up being. Like when we saw Crawford fight Horn. On ESPN Plus, we thought, okay, well, they're going to have Crawford Lomachenko on ESPN Plus. That's going to be their version of like uh, paper or um, like HBO having like you know premium cable fights. Like the premium fights will be on ESPN Plus. You'll have the lower level fights on ESPN to try to sell that service. But since then, Lomachenko uh, and Crawford are now fighting on ESPN. So we'll see who ends up alternating back and forth. And like ESPN plus has really been more about these weird international cards, like Frank Warren cards, like the Kerman Leiraga fight from this weekend. Um, Excellent fight. Uh, <laughs> I can't wait to talk about that, by the way, that was fucking amazing. Um, <laughs> I didn't even write it but, down. So <laughs> yeah, let's it. get, let's, let's swing back to it anyway. So I sort of had my point, which I'd say like, when you just say broadly streaming, you're sort of uh, pessimistic about, it's like, ESPN's version of it, so far so good. You know, it's like the stuff they're putting on behind the paywall is not necessarily essential or it's premium. You know, it's either extra content, like bonus features on a DVD, or it's, you know, their version of like premium content in terms of having like Crawford Horn. Uh, again, I know not the best fight in the world, but, you know, you have, a, you know, number one, number two pound for pound there. So we'll see. That again looks a lot more sustainable, a lot of coverage on ESPN, a lot of coverage on their shoulder programming, that stuff which is going to grow the sport. Uh, DAZN, though, again, it's like you're just hiding Canelo behind a paywall and then forcing fans to pay for it. Very different. Anyway, back to you. Um, this is way off the mark. Um, so I'll keep this short about ESPN. <laughs> are you okay? saying my point was off the mark? Or no, no, no. What I'm about to say. I mean, okay. Tom, your points are always off the mark. But specifically with ESPN, you know, you said like ESPN Plus and they don't really know what it is right now. I think they know what it is. At least... In the same way that PBC knew what they wanted to be. Now, whether or not they will succeed, that is the question. And I think ESPN Plus is basically testing the water with can we stand alone and move away from cable companies and offer ESPN up for like 20 bucks a month and people still subscribe and they have access to all of ESPN. That's what I think that, they, that their vision is. Now, will they execute on that? I don't know. But $4.99 price with a ton, a ton of content is, like, seriously, ESPN Plus has so much content, okay? For four ninety nine, it's pretty crazy. But I think that's what they think. Now, that's neither here nor there, and this isn't a sports media podcast, so we're not going to really go into that because this is, like, way off. Um, we're supposed to talk about boxing, so I don't even know how to connect this back to boxing. So we'll just talk about Maurice Hooker versus Alex Sacedo. Or, no, no. well, before I forget, we'll talk about the Kerman Laharaga fight. Um, I knew he was going to knock out Frankie Gavin. He knocked out Frankie Gavin. Um, wait, wait, wait. You, you, you're skipping to the fight. What about the fucking dance before the fight started? Oh, you, you actually <laughs> think I watched like that? I kept just, I kept flipping back <laughs> oh, just boy, to make you sure. you missed out on a, a real treat. Um, well, well, what happened? 
Well, so they did, uh, you know, he's fighting, I think they called it the Lion's Den was their nickname for the arena. I mean, by the way, that was the, like, the, the lowest, it's been funny with all these, like, uh, uh, streaming cards because you're getting like the weirder and weirder international broadcasts because like they don't have guys to cover these like before it used to be like you'd get the Colonel Bob Sheridan okay he's kind of a familiar face the international broadcast or or one of these other guys or like a British uh, commentary team that we know and are familiar with right, exactly um, and here you had like just I, I have no idea who either of them were but like they were talking about like the Spanish domestic scene with such like specificity and excitement and talking about fighters who had won like Italian national titles like I mean like like you'd think they were talking about like Lomachenko winning two gold medals with like the excitement they were talking about someone who had won like a Spanish national title at 130 like Anyway, so then you go from that, like, that was also crazy, like, it took forever for the fight to start, like, watching these, like, Spanish domestic level scene fights on the undercard. (laughs) They start to gear up for the main event. Yeah, and they brought up a dancer who was doing what looked like, I don't know, it was like a a kick-heavy dance, he was wearing a crazy outfit. Uh, The song... Yeah, it was a man. Uh, It looked like he was trying to do, like, uh, (laughs) I don't know, advanced soccer moves or something was, like, how I would describe the dance. Um, The song that was playing was, like, seemed to be played uh, on a flute. Um, (laughs) Maybe it was a bassoon, and uh, Hannah Rankin was playing it. Is it the bassoon she plays? I thought she played the violin. I I don't remember. Okay, okay. Yeah, I didn't watch the fight this weekend, so I'd I'd forgotten. But anyway, uh, from the last time, I was at her last fight, actually, prior to this, but uh, that doesn't matter. But yeah, they said, like, here come the national anthems, then this, this, like, flute song starts, then this guy's dancing. Anyway, the funniest part of it, though, like, the fans in the lion's den were just going absolutely nuts. Like, whatever it was, it was getting, like, it was like red meat for these uh, fans in Spain, so... I don't know, someone like we need the Spanish version of Gleb to give us like cultural like Gleb is always the guy who'd be like, oh, that Russian fighter, like he's from the region of Russia where they like uh, drink horse milk. You know, it's like he'll give us like that's what you need to go on the discord to get those types of hot tips. Like if someone knows like a hardcore Spanish boxing fan or if there are any hardcore boxing fans from Spain, like please, please come on the discord and explain to us what was going on with that, like that ceremonial dance. And the I'm song explain that- to Tom, not me. I don't. I, I I got it. <laughs> Separately, I'm on Leia Raga's uh, box rec page, and I sort of forgot that uh, when you ignore the rat tail, he actually looks exactly like Gleb. Um, <laughs> compare Kerman Leia Raga's box rec page to the Gleb emoji from Discord. Like, <laughs> oh very, very God. strong resemblance. Anyway, sorry. Back, back Hooker, to you. So- uh, stopped Alex Lacedo. <laughs> Oh, so do you have anything more to say about the Leiraga fight? Just, yeah, he got an ugly stoppage against Frankie Gavin. No, it was predictable. He did what he was supposed to do. I can't okay, wait till I, they feed him to an American uh, or a world-level welterweight, and he sure. looks like a complete jabroni. One one more comment about this. Uh, I, I do have one, one more interesting thing to say about this. So uh, Leiraga, something they were talking about on the card, um, he's promoted uh, outside of Spain by Ludabella. And that seemed to be the reason that this fight was shown, because I, I assumed originally that this was part of the Frank Warren deal. I didn't realize this was in, you know, I know he's Spanish, but and when I saw he was fighting Frankie Gavin, I thought, oh, this is like uh, a Frank Warren card in the UK. Um, no, it wasn't. It was a Ludabella international card from Spain, uh, which is interesting because Ludabella it actually has like, he has crept up on a really impressive, like people have always thought of him as being like, 
sort of one of the PBC like fringe promoters and you know but he now has Regis Progre his I term believe Oscar, uh, Oscar's term was sham promoter <laughs> yeah well that was the term of his lawyers yes uh, but yeah Ludabella has actually built up like not a bad roster of guys um, Richard Comey just just a handful of like you know guys at the world title level I think he has something like nine world champions um, if you include the the women on his roster N- uh, not bad it's actually something equal it's like similar to go- or actually more than I think Golden Boy like someone on Twitter went through and ranked promoters by their the, the number of their world champions you know still much I mean PBC has like half of all of the sport and then like the other half is mostly split between top rank and match room and then but Ludabella a few important guys and he he's sort of been saying like yeah he's like I'm looking for a deal like if you want to give like give me like the Frank Warren deal on ESPN plus like you know I'm here like I ran HBO boxing so that's actually a thing to look out for in 2019 the PBC is more and more focusing on like he is promoting the Wilder Fury fight because uh, he has a relationship with Wilder but um PBC upfront was heavily focused around uh t- fights Tom Brown is planning to promote so uh, TGB promotions. That'll actually be interesting if Ludabella becomes a little bit uh, removed from the PBC and a little bit more focused on his own business. Like, again, he's got he's got a few pieces there. Like um, Regis Progre, I mean, if he keeps going on the trajectory he's on, like um, Ludabella could really get a decent amount of power here. So he's a, yeah, another guy to look for for another one of these small streaming deals. Anyway, uh, back to could you. Could be that he's going back. Uh, he might get something with Showtime because Showtime has a lot of dates that they still need to announce. Uh, and we'll probably find out what those are, but we heard that there would be lower level fights, not just you know the the big time PBC fights that we've known them to do, um, at least in the years past. Anyway, uh, for the fourth time, Maurice Hooker stopped Alex <laughs> Um I, I thought Hooker could win this fight. Like I didn't come in and think like you know I didn't buy into the Saucedo hype because you know when you go life and death with Lenny Z and probably should have been stopped. Even if you're fighting Maurice Hooker, a guy who I don't think is very good, I'm not going to have a lot of confidence in you. And um, I, my main point from this fight that I walked away with, because like I don't think the fight was particularly interesting. It wasn't entertaining. Um, like you know, not like fight of the year. It was. I no. I, I that's probably a little too harsh. It was entertaining enough. Um, but another Abel Sanchez fighter loses. His humiliation is complete. I mean, look, I don't know for sure if like all these guys have who have lost are like built from the ground by Abel Sanchez. I don't think that's the case. And you know, we could say that maybe it's a little mean to really go at Abel Sanchez because you know these guys come to him and they're like, you know, fix something, do like sprinkle some Golovkin dust on me. And somehow, Abel has, like, like as if Abel's responsible for Golovkin's success, totally, right? I, that, that's not the case. And um, these guys come to Abel thinking Abel's going to fix something, and no, they just are the same person they were before. Maybe now they're thinking a little more in the ring or doing trying to do different things, and they get themselves caught. I mean, Saucedo's problem is the same problem he's had for many fights, which is that, and, and look, I... I've I've kept tabs on Sacedo for a very long time, okay, since he's just had a handful of fights, and the same problem he had back then is the same one he has now. He doesn't move his head, and if you don't move your head, guys will hit you, and yeah, he hit Hooker and even dropped him, but like, he got hit enough that it it was the end. Um, What was your take from this fight? 
Oh my god. I so I I don't think I was too bullish last week, but I definitely I mean this was so satisfying to see this because I, I think both neither of us thought Saucedo was that good, as you just said. And it was very strange when Top Rank paid so much money for this purse bid because it seems like, you know, why are you maneuvering your guy into this title shot? Like you have a lot of sway with the WBO. You're you're getting your guy a chance at the WBO title, but it's like it's the wrong guy. Like we've talked about this before. Like Top Rank, their general business model is they'll develop A sides. And then they'll develop very beatable B-sides, and they'll feed them the A-side. And Saucedo is a very beatable B-side. I mean, he was a knockout waiting to happen, as you said. It's like he went life and death with, with Lenny Z. Uh, you know, with a different ref, that fight could have been stopped. Uh, he, you know, totally fails the eye test. I mean, there's there's no indication he looks that good. But um, I don't know. I think Top Rank got a little bit, you know, it's... It, it, it was just a little too good to be true. Like they thought we've got already the WBC title. We don't have that much business with the WBC, but um, we've got Jose Ramirez with the WBC title. We can pick up the W we can pick this title up as well. We can, you know, stage a series of fights between them. And, you know, again, it's like when you can control your opponent and put your guy in with Lenny Z, it's like it was life and death, but he did come out, you know, with the win. I mean, Lenny Z was a guy who's something like 50th in the division, um, <laughs> you know, the, ta, you know, sanctioning bodies are good for something, you know, it's like Hooker was able to get the fight with Terry Flanagan, uh, Terry Flanagan, we never thought was that good. He always seemed like one of the most vulnerable champions in the sport, but Hooker got that fight. He won that fight. You know, now he has the belt. Uh, if, uh, Saucedo wanted the belt, he had to go through him and it just was like, it always seemed like a big gamble. You know, it was like, risk high risk versus very small reward trying to get that wbo total out on sunsedo and he just i mean he looks so much worse than we even thought i mean from the start the opening round looked reasonably competitive you know he got that knockdown which was really more of a flash knockdown um but you know looked decent ish but then just hooker completely took over um the fifth round uh Hooker just let Saucedo come in on him and empty his gas tank. I mean, it was crazy. I mean, like, Hooker just didn't care. Saucedo, do whatever you want, just throw punches. And Saucedo was stupid enough to do it. I mean, that fight, he, that round, he sealed his fate. He completely emptied his gas tank. Hooker dominated the sixth. And then just in the seventh round, I mean, it looked like the final round of uh, Usyk Bellew. He was just landing power shot after power shot with nothing coming back. You know, no adjustment, just bomb, bomb, bomb. And, you know, you get knocked out. Um, I don't really know where, uh, Saucedo goes from here. I mean, he's only 24. I don't know if he can recover, but I mean, that was quite a beating by the end. And then you had this crazy scene in the ring where like Jose Ramirez was there, but he looked like he didn't want to be there. I mean, Hooker looked like drunk with power. He's like, yeah, I'll knock you out too. I mean, you're another like, you know, built up top rank fighter at 140, much worse than the guys in the world boxing super series. He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll fight you. Jose Ramirez. Jose Ramirez is like, uh, I was supposed to be, you know, in the ring with Saucedo. I don't know if I want to be in the ring with you right now. Um, very, yeah, very funny scene at the fight. Very satisfying. Uh, it's like when you kind of call a shot and then it comes off. Like Saucedo always seemed like a tough guy who was just being built up by top rank to lose one of their A sides. Like Hooker, I don't think is a world beater, but he was definitely good enough to beat Saucedo. This. Like, specifically with Saucedo, I think Top Rank will wind up cutting him in, like, a year or two. We've seen this happen before, where they 
put guys in these positions and they come up short and then they come up short again. So Sacedo, if they don't match him properly, like it, it will tell us a lot depending on who they put Sacedo in with next. If he gets an opponent that he's not supposed to just go in there and wipe out, they have no hope for him and they will cut him loose as soon as they can. Um, you you want to look at an example of this and tell me that I'm wrong? Well, go look at Glenn Tapia, former top rank fighter. Go, go look at Ivan Nahera, former top rank fighter. Go look at Diego Magdaleno, former top rank fighter. You don't have any use for them. They use you up and then they cut you. And I'm not trying to make top rank out to be the villain here because I think a lot of promoters do this. But that's just the nature of the game. You know, every sport's like that. If you if you, you don't compete at the highest level, then you get cut. And I think with uh, Saucedo specifically, that might be something we see because his lack of defense um, is pretty... Uh, alarming and being stopped. This is going to take something out of him. And as long as Abel Sanchez is training him, uh, it's not likely we see any real changes that get made. Um, and then there was another part um, that you mentioned about, you, you spoke about the, the commission and stuff like that. I do want to say this, this is kind of unrelated and it's more of a general, um, this is more of this goes for the days in card as well as this one in totality. Um, there's a reason why we see fights take place in New York and in Nevada and in California a lot. And the reason is these commissions, they hold a lot of fights and therefore they are more experienced. And therefore you can expect a higher level of refereeing and a higher level of judging in these fights. And what we saw over this past weekend was these referees, they tried their best. I'm sure they tried to do a good job and and enforce the rules and and keep order as best as they could but they were severely severely like just inexperienced um Kavalaskis very likely should have been dq'd okay that was like s- super late i actually didn't watch that fight yet can you give a quick recap to the fans so the guy's far? on his knee and Kavalaskis hit him with uh with a shot so super late yeah yeah that's After a that's a dq down. Um, the, the, the stoppages and the days in card were fairly late. I actually thought the stoppage in the hooker fight was pretty late too. Um, it was clear that guy, like when, when I see a guy's head get snapped back and then they get their head gets snapped back again, just stop it. Okay. There, there's no more resistance there. Every shot that you allow, even if their hands are up, every shot that you're allowing, like the guy's like not bracing for his, for those punches. So that's pretty dangerous. And look, specifically with Saucedo, Okay. He's still young. He could turn into something. You know, it might take a couple years for him to really rebuild, but we've seen it before in boxing. But when you have a fight like this where you where you stop it too late, it's a problem. But this is why you don't do do cards very frequently in little small areas like Oklahoma and in, in um, w- w- is it in Kansas? Is that where Kansas City is? Because I know there's two <laughs> Kansas Cities. Yeah, that was, I don't know, that's funny, it's always funny, like Miami, Oklahoma is like a frequent boxing venue. Yeah, I don't know if there is a Kansas City outside of Kansas, but this definitely was in Kansas. Yeah, so I know that because Eddie Hearn kept saying, this will be the biggest fight in Kansas in years, which maybe it was, but... It technically wasn't in Kansas City. <laughs> I don't know. But whatever. Um, the, the point is made. Small commissions, you know, the the the, the quality is a little lower. Um so whatever, I'm not going to go into like the, the geog- geographic location of where this actually was. Um, needless to say, though, the commissions, like, it just wasn't so good. Wait, um, the, sorry, I just Googled Kansas City. 
the largest city in the state of Missouri. Wow, I'm embarrassed. I, I think there's two of them. I think there's two Kansas cities. Because how can you have not have a Kansas city in um, Kansas? Like there, I'm sh- there's like a, a city called California in California. I'm almost sure of it. And in New York, there's a city called New York. Oh yeah, there, there is a Kansas City, Kansas, which is the third largest city in Kansas. Then uh, Kansas City is the largest state in Missouri. Boy, we're really for the fans of Sunday Puncher geography. Can- Kansas really, is the largest is state tr- in Missouri. You just said that. <laughs> well, a flub. Yeah, Kansas I know you city messed up, but it's kind of funny. State of Missouri. Anyway, um, not much more to talk about this. Uh, let's touch on Jaron Ennis before um, we start getting into the news. Uh, Jaron Ennis, or as Tom says it, Jaron Ennis. I, I didn't listen with the commentary on, so I have no clue how they were saying his name. Um, he had a pretty nice uh, nice fight. Obviously, his opponent wasn't very good. Um, but he's a prospect. He's young. He's hungry. Um, looked very good. And I, I think he looks a little slow. I think he needs to work on his speed. If like I'm gonna come up with anything to criticize him and for him to build on, it's just his speed is just a little slow. Like he's not world level yet. You can see the talent there, no doubt about it. But if there's a like, what's the gap between him right now where he's at and then being competitive with like the Danny Garcias and the Sean Porters of the world? It's speed because I think everything else is there. I would love to see him fight somebody in the top ten in his next fight, and that's a huge jump. But it's also a huge testament to the 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 faith that I have, and I think you and a lot of other people have that Ennis is the real deal. Yeah, I'll just jump in. I mean, Ennis is like I forgot to preview him last week. I knew there was a showbox coming up, but I didn't realize he was returning already. He had just fought uh, in July. I guess that's not that quick of a turnaround, but I just didn't realize he was back. So he's a guy who's, yeah, 21, had a nice amateur career, wasn't an Olympian, but basically did everything else he could do in the Almost amateurs. Almost was an Olympian. Yeah, Came did everything he could do short, except going to the Olympics. Was beaten by one of the, the Gary uh, Antoine Russell, Gary Russell brothers, I believe. Um, who, by the way, is looking pretty good as a, as a prospect so far. But yeah, turned pro after in 2016 after he didn't make the Olympics. So turned pro in April of 2016 after he was cut from the squad. Uh, already uh, 22-0. and 0 since 2016 so he's been on a blazing pace he's a guy who turned pro you know before this crazy um uh bidding war for fighters this this climate we're in now with uh you know top ranked his own pbc everyone just bidding after every fighter they can so he turned pro in a little bit of a slow period didn't didn't have a strong promoter or advisor has been fighting just in the backwoods in these smaller cards and you know quickly amassed a 21 or excuse me a 20 no record against lower level competition uh his first kind of step up was against mike arnudis who's like journeyman who's in with been in with everyone wow. is 26 and 10 but his heard his name in like four years yeah so then but in his last fight fought a guy, a guy named armando alvarez who's another prospect on showbox showbox always matches guys tough 18 and 0 and just absolutely blew him away it looked like all of his other fights um, this fight, he fought a guy with less pretty record, a 24 and five record Raymond Serrano, but he was a former prospect from Philly also. And again, just absolutely blew him out. So yeah, he's only 21 already 22 and oh has, you know, been super active. He's 5'10, 74 inch reach as a welterweight. So fantastic frame for a welterweight 
probably he'll move up to 154 sooner than later, but he weighed in at 145 this fight, so it looks like, you know, it looks like he's got some room. It's easier to make weight when you're younger. Um, but yeah, looks like a fantastic prospect. You know, it reminds me of, you know, I said this about Rob Brandt and Regis Progray. Like, I viewed them as like two of the best prospects who didn't have a big time promoter, who weren't with one of like the big three promoters. Um, Ennis enters that camp as well. You know, again, he's blowing guys out who aren't at a super high level. Even his step up fights aren't super high level. But um, he looks like he's got a lot of talent, really good head on his shoulders. Uh, he comes from a boxing family. His dad and his brothers were boxers. Um, you know, he's just he's a guy to watch. It, it, and it was very satisfying. I was hyping him up within an inch of my life on Reddit this week. I think I made like four posts or something. One of my clips uh, did 1.8 million views. <laughs> so once again, Tom Cody doing more work than the marketing departments of these actual companies. Um, and it was really cool to see, like people got hyped up about him, raised the expectations really high. And then he absolutely, you know, again, not in with a top guy, but definitely followed through on what he was supposed to do on Friday night. So yeah, I would, he's a guy I would definitely expect to see him sooner than later, probably even his next fight to get picked up either on like a DAZN co-promote deal or, you know, top rank trying to show it like he, he's too good in this climate to not really get zeroed in on someone. I mean, we have an arms race right now where everyone is trying to basically take everything that isn't tied down to the wall. Um, and, and Ennis is a hot commodity because he's a guy who you can actually use your platform to do something with him. You know, there are guys out there <laughs> right. that are four or five fights in and they look super talented, but you cannot sell a, a guy who's like got four fights. Like just, it's not realistic you know, not everybody can be uh, a Inoue or a Lomachenko who rushes into a world title. They still take some seasoning and some building. Um, Ennis is right there on the cusp. He's maybe one or two fights away if you want to be safe before you toss him in for like an eliminator or something. I think Ennis would probably win an eliminator at welterweight at this point. But, you know... That's probably not how it's going to go. Yeah, let me just call out a point, though, very quickly, very much on that topic. Look, the guy that Ennis just fought, who were saying he's so bad, Raymond Serrano, he had a close decision with Alex Saucedo yeah, earlier. That ain't career. saying much. Well, I'm just saying, though, when, when you're saying, like, he's a guy that, you know, put the, the, you know, the rocket ship behind him. He's not Jose Ramirez. He's not Alex Saucedo. He's not a guy who's purely built up because you're feeding him bad competition on TV. You know, he's a guy who could really go somewhere who has a lot of potential. Again, it's like he has the physical talent following through showing a pro style. He has an amateur background. It's like all the you know, he has a great frame to be a multi-division champion potentially or at least compete at multiple divisions. Like, you know, he is a guy again to, you know, really invest in. And, uh, you know, I don't think it's going to take too long. Um, If people didn't know who he was after his last step up fight, I mean, that's the thing. I can understand why people weren't super concerned earlier because he really was fighting low level competition because that's really all you can do when you don't have a powerful promoter because if you don't have the money to pay a b-side you can't get a good b-side but now that he's stepped up he's passed these tests with flying colors everything else on his resume checks out it's like uh yeah fun guy to watch out for if i was his promoter he'd be fighting on pay-per-view by next year guaranteed i mean let's not get too crazy but the point is it's like you have a guy like gervonta davis winning a title when he's super young like he looked super good he looked good in his step-up fights they threw him in a title fight some people thought it was too soon to pass the test with flying colors. Um, you know, David Benavina is another guy, super young, but it looks like he's just that good. Ennis is a guy who, you know, 
yeah, I, I, you know, hopefully again, that's, that's unfortunate though. Like people complain, people, some people were complaining on Reddit when I was posting the gifts, like, you know, oh, he hasn't fought that many good guys. Again, it's like, if you don't have a powerful promoter, you can't get good opponents because or there isn't if, financial back. Even back-based. if you do, even if you do, you don't get those good fights. Like look at Eddie Hearn's prospects. Look at Top Rank's prospects. Look at Golden Boy's prospects. Look at PBC's prospect. Who who's like had a murderous <laughs> row of like he, this well, is a again, prospect we're talking about. Like, Saucedo, if he had fought better competition, just would have lost earlier. Okay, I mean, but Saucedo isn't good. Stop stop picking on him. Well, I, you know, look so at, I make look. look I, I'm going to talk about Callum, Callum Smith next. Face, like tough comp. He faced in like the middle of his development as a prospect. They found guys who had never been stopped. Uh, who were you know tough guys only had maybe one loss because they were they were literally just trying to get like who can get out of like one or two rounds with this guy like we need to match him tough or else he's not even gonna get rounds and Ennis really I mean you know looks like he's that good. Um, look at Callum Smith. Okay, he, he didn't face no like top fighters. I mean Rocky Fielding he knocked him out of one round. So how good was that win? Okay, like and, and Callum Smith isn't like you know pound for pound fighter. He's just not okay. Um, but like, even if you do have a top promoter, there's ways to match them. I mean, top rank is the best in the business. They, they, they somehow managed to get Saucedo to headline two cards. Okay. <laughs> um, and so, you know, that's, I, that, I don't think that's like a, a worthy criticism of Ennis to, to say like, oh, well, he hasn't been faced very tough because of his promoting situation. Nobody likes to face their pro or match their prospects up too tough because then you don't have a prospect anymore. You have Alex Saucedo. So uh, that's enough. Um, I like Ennis. Callum Smith. So here's my, like my brief thing. You can respond to it, but I really only have this to say. So uh, is nobody going to say anything about the fact that Callum Smith, the new super middleweight champion, the guy who just com- is coming off of winning a, a tournament, is actually calling out a guy coming off a loss, he's aging, and is in a smaller weight class. Like, imagine if Deontay Wilder called out, like, after he beat Fury, imagine if Wilder called out Tony Bellew. It'd be like, uh, what? Because Callum Smith is calling out Golovkin and says, oh, that's my number one opponent. Like, dude, you were the super middleweight champion. Why are you calling out Golovkin? Pick on someone your own side. Like, let Golovkin get a win. And now, I think, like, like Golovkin will probably beat Callum Smith, but that's not the point. Like, at least make, like, challenge yourself. Like, not picking on a guy who's just coming off a loss, who's from a division that you don't even fight in. Like, is that fair to say? This is like when Hopkins was calling out Oscar De La Hoya. It's like, dude, what are you doing? I know he's, I, I, but it's not the same <laughs> thing exactly because Oscar was a legitimate, you know, pay-per-view star. Golovkin's not a pay-per-view star. Come on. Oh, my God. I am so ready to respond to this. Go for it. Sure. So, I mean, look, this is a Skip Bayless argument. This is a Stephen A. Smith argument. This is a, you know, pure sophism at its finest. I mean, look, um, <laughs> I guess this is your way of trying to bury Golovkin. I mean, no, I'm uh, trying look, to bury Smith. Golovkin. This will be by far his best opponent. Uh, current Golovkin is light years ahead of the current George Groves that Callum Smith just fought. I'm not going to fault him at all. That would be a great fight. Um, you know, look, Canelo is fighting the guy that Callum Smith knocked out in one round who is so bad it doesn't even mean anything that he got that win. I mean, look, if Callum Smith and Golovkin want to fight each other, that's an event. It's a fun fight. It's a fight that makes sense for both of them. Uh, Golovkin hasn't challenged himself above 160. It makes sense to see how he can do it that way. It, yeah, it makes sense in both sides. 
yeah, he would be his best opponent. I don't know. I don't know if you can ever fault someone for like, like how many better opponents could he face? I mean, uh, definitely rather have Golovkin fight Callum Smith than fight Zerto. I mean, who gives a shit about Zerto? Um, okay, but so you're going to sit here and tell me that you would say the same stuff if Jamal Charlo was calling out Erzlan Dilara. Uh, that's a complicated answer. Um, that would also be a good, I mean, it's, it's again, it's like sort of, it's always a fallacy of like trying to criticize people's level of competition too much when it's like, when you don't take into account what the alternatives are. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's, that's a bad fight for, uh, that would be a bad fight for Jamal Charlo either. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, that's a fight that won't happen because they're stablemates, you know, and they've also probably sparred hundreds of rounds against each other. But, um, yeah, I think that that, I mean, that wouldn't be a bad fight. I mean, that would be one of the better fights. If Jamal Charlo wants to fight two or three times a year, he's almost certainly going to be fighting worse competition than that. I'd say his no, next you, fight is probably worse competition than that. You can't come out and say that. You just can't. Like, you look soft. <laughs> you look soft, okay? I, I understand if you say, look, oh my my, God. here's who I'd like to fight. Like, at least be like, I'd like to fight David Benavides. I would like to fight the whoever wins between Anthony Durrell and Avni Yildirim. I, I want to fight those guys, you know? But if I can't get those guys, and the winner naturally... of Anthony Durrell and Avni Yildirim, there is no person on the planet who thinks that's a better fight for Callum Smith than Golovkin. I, I know just... that. I know that. But you don't understand, okay? Why would you be okay with him calling out, first and foremost, a guy that's smaller than him, that's much older than him, clearly on the decline, and someone coming off a loss? It, it, like, is, it's a little embarrassing, as Larry Merchant told Bernard Hopkins when Hopkins was calling out De La Hoya. It's like, dude, you're the middleweight champion of the world. Why are you calling out this welterweight? I mean, look, I get it. I mean, that's also something I, I, I and a lot of other people dogged Golovkin about when he was calling out Canelo, and Canelo was firmly at 154. Um, Great you fighters know, look up, not down. <laughs> Again, I agree. That's, that's the point, though. It's like Golovkin sat at 160, fighting terrible opponents to defend his WBA regular title, waited for Canelo to come up, you know, a fighter who was, you know, the other side of it, so much younger and relatively inexperienced. Um yeah, I, I again, I'm just I'm happy on both sides. I think it makes sense for 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 both fighters. I mean, that's the thing. It's like there isn't a tantalizing other fight. It's not like he's avoiding a killer in his division. I mean, look, maybe I was too too unfair to Zerto when I said I don't give a shit about that. Yeah, I would call like out to see Adonis that Stevenson then. But I don't think that's a million times better. Um, you got to look up. You can't look down. Tell him I want Andre Ward come out of retirement I mean, for me again. Adonis Stevenson is older than Golden and got a draw in his last fight. Is that really that much more tantalizing? I mean. Um, I think that I'm just saying you problem, you don't but. look down, you look up. It's like I I don't know why you're like not getting behind this criticism of Callum Smith. No, I get it. I just think there are egregious examples where I agree with it. You know, it's like generally speaking, when a when a heavier fighter calls out a lighter fighter, I don't like it. But in this, I think the specifics here check out. And yes, I would look forward to that fight if it came off. I I, I look forward to when we accept Lomachenko calling out freaking mickey roman is <laughs> a very equivalent comparison anyway I, I don't really have that much more to say about this okay pbc announced their fox lineup um on let me just Tuesday. back up i just googled callum smith apparently he's also calling out andre ward so there you go he's a bigger fighter albeit one who's been retired for a while 
Oh, yeah. That, that's that's the other one, calling out retired guys who haven't fought in two years. Great. Uh, yeah, anyway, PBC. Uh, yeah, they announced their Fox lineup. I was at the event, so I'll give you some general thoughts of actually being there. Um, if you subscribe to the Patreon feed, we're going to rehash some of the topics, and I'll say some of the things that I've already repeated um, over there on our daily podcast. But anyway... Um, uh, I've been to a lot of these press events. Um, you know, I've been going to fights for like, or invited to these fights for like three, four years now. And um, I've never been to one where they took it so seriously. Like, these Fox people were like, they they were, I was like, whoa, this, these people are like really serious. I've never seen this before. Like, just intentional. Like, they're, they're doing, like, all these things that I, I just don't see. But like, you know, like if you've seen like back behind the scenes stuff of like films and stuff, it, it was like actually like that. You know, boxing is usually pretty laid back. Like you're back, back, you go backstage and stuff, and like you know, the, the people like don't care. They just let you walk wherever. Occasionally, a security person will like stop you, but for the most part, it's just like everyone is like just takes it easy. It was not like this at all. Um, like Fox is like running a tight ship here, and you can get why they have the NFL and stuff. It's just so much different. We were in this like big studio where they film I'm guessing like the NFL show or something it was like there's like lights everywhere it was like clearly the, the the room was worth millions of dollars with all the equipment that they had in there um uh so it was just really shocking to me how different Fox production wise took this event than some of the other events that I've been to um and, and I've been to HBO events I've been to Showtime events uh this was not like that Anyway, um, specifically about Fox, okay? Fox is trying to right a wrong from their past with PBC. What I mean by that is that um, Fox paid a lot of money for the UFC. And over the past several years, they've gotten screwed. Fox was probably sold on this promise that they'd get the best fights. But in reality, the UFC saved their best fights for pay-per-view. And Fox got zero of that pay-per-view money. And so the UFC's benefited and they've sold for, you know, billions of dollars and Fox basically sat there and they're just like, okay, well, we're basically like the vessel to give you more money by giving you an opportunity to showcase guys on the rise or whatever. Um, And that's not going to be the case this time. Fox is like all in uh, on this and they want a piece of the pie. And so in order for them to reap the benefits of pay-per-view fights... They're going to have to really build PBC fighters. They're going to have to invest. They're going to have to have Spence uh, appear before Cowboys games and, and get people to associate him. All the Cowboys fans around the country associate Spence with the Dallas Cowboys, which is what Showtime tried to do, except you know Showtime did, doesn't actually air the Cowboys games. Um, and then, like, why do this apart from money? If PBC has, like, or sorry, if, well, I guess, if PBC on Fox has two successful pay-per-views that could basically cover just about PBC's entire budget that Fox pays. So like, that's why Fox would be invested in this because then the PBC just becomes a net positive, like through and through. Um, do you have a response to that? Sure. I mean, yeah, it's funny with a topic like this cause we've already discussed it a bunch <laughs> leading up to it. So I'll try to sound fresh, but, um, it's, it's very exciting. I, I, one one comment I'll say. I mean, you said that 
uh, two of these pay-per-views could pay for the Fox deal. I mean, yeah, in terms of gross revenue, I mean, uh, Fox's split is probably in the, you know, um, seven figures for, for a pay-per-view probably. But um, yeah, it's it's super exciting. It's exciting for a lot of levels. I mean, this is something we've talked about a lot and a lot of people have discussed with the ESPN deal is like how um, the synergy between ESPN and their broad platform and then trying to promote top rank exclusive fighters that fight on ESPN. You have Terrence Crawford, Lomachenko, nominated for uh espies and crawford wins for fighter of the year you know all of this coverage on their their daily shows and really talking about this is a huge advantage for espn what's interesting to start with with this rollout is to see what is fox's version of this that you know you have this huge production value and this huge experience in sports that you know other sports that are bringing into this they're gonna have the studio show which is shown both on both versions of Fox and FS1 pre-shows and post-shows as well as, you know, like WANs and stuff like that. And uh, even additional content on um, the ESPN or not ESPN, excuse me, Fox Sports Go app. Um, Then another piece that we've talked about um, in our private chats is uh, then you talked about on the daily is the role of regional sports networks that in addition to like Fox broadcast, and FS1, you have regional Fox networks, and something that you've seen in this Fox rollout is most of these fights are clustered in specific areas, even like they have two fights in Minnesota, and then, you know, the biggest example of this is the Spence fight in Cowboy Stadium that, you know, you can expect to see on local Fox affiliates and Fox sports regional networks even greater coverage on these fights, which is going to be huge to promote uh, you know, local ticket sales. I mean, that's one of those things is like you talk about how great is ESPN for uh, Crawford or Lomachenko potentially, but on this smaller development level, it can be huge to try to build up local fan bases. Even again, it's like you have a fighter like um, Joey Spencer, who's, you know, coming up on the ESPN or the on the PC circuit, uh, already has a big following. He only has a few fights, but already has a big following in Michigan where he's from. People had been following him for money. He was an amateur and, um, you know, you could see even if he's fighting in New York, you could see coverage in Michigan, you know, trying to pump him up and reminding people his next fight's coming. So very interesting um, seeing how granular some of this stuff can get. I mean, some of the stuff has been discussed. We'll have to see how it actually plays out. But, yeah, very exciting. And just just a last comment before I send it back to you talking about, you know, Fox and Fox pay-per-view when you were saying compared to um, UFC and, and not making Fox an equal partner. I think something which has been very interesting with Al Heyman to see how he does business is that he tries to build long-term partners and he tries to build in incentives which are beneficial to everyone, which is why you've seen, for instance, you know, top rank, uh, Floyd left top rank. They were taking a big cut of his purses comparatively, goes with Heyman, and Heyman and Floyd have made money together. And, you know, the lion's share of the money that Floyd made in his career was after he left top rank. Uh, and worked with Heyman. And again, that just continued. They just kept making more and more money together as the the Mayweather-Pacquiao uh, fight broke records, the, the Mayweather-Canelo fight broke records, and the, the Mayweather-McGregor um, fight, you know, almost eclipsed them. But again, was equally just completely eclipsed all previous records for, for fight uh, gates and pay-per-view sales. So what's interesting with the Fox deal is, again, it's like you build in incentives where, where Fox is motivated to work with them. Um, you know, this is common to uh, Fox and Showtime. This, I mean, excuse me, ESPN and, jeez, oh, neither of those, excuse me, Showtime and HBO uh, for their past pay-per-view deals, where, again, it's like 
those networks were motivated to try to build fighters to the pay-per-view level so they could business with them. And, um, you know, it's interesting here. In some ways, it goes counter to that because you have uh, a fight uh, in Spence Garcia, which could have been a Showtime pay-per-view, but instead it's on Fox. And you also have a fight, uh, Pac Broner, which uh, is, is set to be a Showtime pay-per-view, which, again, could have been on Fox. So, you know, it sort of works both ways, and it's interesting to see. So far, um, Showtime has two lucrative pay-per-views on their calendar. Fox has one lucrative pay-per-view on their calendar and a whole host of other dates. And, um, you know, it looks like so far the, the, the seeds have been uh, planted for successful coexistence with PBC sp- split between Showtime and Fox, with, with each serving a purpose. We have fighters like the Charler Brothers fighting on Fox, to a much wider set of eyeballs than they could be exposed to on Showtime. And then, you know, very likely Showtime will benefit to that when they pivot back on future fights on either Showtime or Showtime pay-per-view. So, yeah, very interesting. Super interesting to see, as you said, that the the level of the production, that was something when I talked to the Fox executive who's in charge, who's, you know, at the top of the PBC deal, he said the biggest thing they were looking to do was improve the quality of the productions, that some of the PBC on Fox fights had looked a little janky, that was PBC running the show, that they were going to put a lot of money behind the production and really try to elevate uh, the quality of the product in that way. Anyway, uh, back to you. Uh, you. One correction: their their take from the pay per view will be uh, assuming that the um, that the profits are good could be a lot higher than seven seven figures. Um, it really depends. That like uh, a cable provider taking thirty percent of the pay per view revenue would be considered a bad deal for um, like like that's like a rare deal where it's 30%. It's usually much higher than 30%. Even sometimes 50% of the revenue will go to the network. Um, so, sure. I so mean, I can actually, I want to respond to that, actually. Um, so to be clear, Showtime or HBO, it's like I see where you're coming from. So Showtime or HBO would traditionally take, again, like a uh, seven-figure dollar amount. Uh, typically for these pay-per-views. But you're, what you're referring to is how cable companies take their you know, 30 40 50% split and that Fox is planning to distribute this on their app as well. So uh, presumably these pay-per-views are still going to be distributed over cable, I'm assuming. But so your assumption is that uh, for the ones that are sold digitally, Fox would get a higher split because they would replace the profit share that a cable company would traditionally take. Is that what you're saying? Um, yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I, I, I think that remains to be seen. I mean, that's something which um, is an interesting piece where you see like Golden Boy pay-per-views being sold online. I'm um, really like modern pay-per-views having like an online sale component because that's always like it's the right way of saying it. You know, cable company, it's like any industry, like cable companies pay for marketing and then they don't want someone to just go online and buy it that way. You know, it's like they've put all this money into marketing. They've, they've you know, done all the promotion on their on-demand systems. And, you know, been like we've talked about, it's like you call for customer service to a cable company and then they'll play ads during when you're on hold for pay-per-view events. So I am curious to see how that will kind of work out. I mean, that that's one of those things even you talk about, like the WWE network, like they have the WWE network, but the pay-per-views are also sold through cable companies and how that how that split works. And if there's, uh, you know, the cable companies try to exact a penalty or if they're really just powerless and it's sort of a take it or leave it deal. I'm assuming it is kind of more of a take or leave it deal, but then it, it also remains to be seen, you know, is Fox getting cable company profit participation, you know, on that scale? Or is, you know, 
that extra, it's like once you remove that 30% or 40% that would go to the cable company, are Fox and PVC, you know, splitting that equally? Or is that, you know, all going to Fox because it's their digital platform? It's sort of an interesting question, and, and I at least don't know the answers to that. Well, with the UFC and how they did it, their pay-per-views were sold through Fight Pass, which is their online streaming service. And it looks like PBC is going to, or not PBC, actually, it's Fox. Fox is going to do the same thing, you know, just stealing how uh, the UFC's strategy of getting as much money as they could from their pay-per-views without including Fox. Um, looks like that's what Fox is going to do here. Um, let's see. Um I want to specifically mention that you know you brought up how Pacquiao versus Broner. Yeah. By the way, I realized we really got into the weeds there. We like if you like this stuff, the the Patreon podcast. I spend like forty five minutes on this stuff. Okay. Right. Yeah. I get much more to that level of detail if you like that stuff. Anyway, yeah. Go on. Including like that's not just that stuff, but like you know just what I know about this stuff. Um, But specifically with Pacquiao Broner being on Showtime and then Spence Garcia being on Fox, and I I was thinking like, okay, how does the, the split work here? Like. How did they decide that Pacquiao Broner should be on Showtime and Spence Garcia came on Fox? I have one theory. My theory is that Pacquiao Broner is sooner, but also because Broner's been on the scene for a long time, is usually does good numbers, and Manny Pacquiao, obviously one of the biggest pay-per-view stars of his generation, they don't need that much promotion. So Showtime can do that fight because Showtime, while their promotion is good, is not a national like a like a like a terrestrial network, whereas Fox, you give these guys a lot of time. You have Fox in their huge reach to build that pay per view up. Like that's the only thing I can think of is they just thought, well, Pacquiao Broner doesn't really need the promotion that Spence Garcia is going to need for it to do a respectable number. So therefore, give Spence Garcia to Fox, and there, you know, let them let's see what they can do with with a fight that. Right now, as it stands, if, if Spence Garcia fought on pay-per-view next week, okay, what would it do? It wouldn't do a very good number. I think that's fair enough to say. Um, Spence and Garcia are popular, but neither of them is a pay-per-view draw because they've never fought on pay-per-view. So I think this is really like a test to see what Fox can do. Like, if this does really good numbers, Fox is going to, like, they're going to, you know, feel some type of way about themselves. Like, we're good at this. Like, these guys who never fought on pay-per-view, they just did this number. Like, we know that we can do pay-per-views, and if we do whatever we did with Spence Garcia, it'll work again. Whereas Showtime, like, they've been in here for a while. And if, by the way, I've seen, like, someone made this article, you probably saw it, of like how, oh, is Showtime boxing in trouble? Should we be worried about Showtime boxing? Settle down with that. If Pacquiao Broner does a good number, if Pacquiao winds up fighting Mayweather... Showtime can air Garcia Salca the rest of the year. They won't care because they'll have made their money back and some. So, like, no need to worry about Showtime boxing. If they get two pay-per-views next year, they do good numbers, Showtime will be happy. And then they're obviously going to get fights because PBC signed a deal that guarantees them fights. Uh, So, I'm sure they're happy. Like, next year, they could conceivably have Pacquiao Broner. They could have Pacquiao Mayweather, which I don't think is going to happen, but who knows? Maybe it will. And then... Uh, Wilder versus um, Joshua, maybe? <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. But if they had that, like, that's a good year right there. Showtime can air, you know, Santa Cruz versus Miguel Flores, which is a Fox fight. But they could air that, and they'll be like, whatever. We'll be, we're happy with that. 
Um, yeah, I, I, just to comment very quickly. I mean, yeah, I think it's sort of a lazy comment. I mean, yeah, Showtime will be fine. I mean, there, there are a few different ways of looking at this. I mean, just on its face, it's like when you see the people who are actually saying that, it's like, you know, you're used to the typical anti-PBC Twitter accounts. It was the same people who were posting like, you know, unflattering pictures of Spence and Garcia that were at like weird angles that made it look like Spence is like two feet taller than Garcia. You know, it's like noted. Spence does have a specific size advantage, but it's like when that's your entire response to the PBC press conference is like retweeting one of those images. It's like, well, okay. I mean, that's not serious boxing writing. That's not like in a, you know, a, a fact-based way of looking at the fight. When again, it's like, you're not showing a picture that shows them side by side. You're doing, you know, it's like, who cares? So that was, that was one of the knee jerk sort of, it's like, Oh, well, what about Showtime? They're, you know, shooting Showtime in the back. It's like Showtime will be fine. You know, again, the example, it's like, Miller brothers are fighting to, you know, it's like, let's be blunt, uh, pretty soft opponents. Um, and then, okay, if the, you know, Jarrett Heard, Jermel Charlo fight is eventually on Showtime, I don't think Showtime minds that. I mean, Steven Espinoza has been pretty blunt about that. Like, this year we saw some pretty hard matchmaking. The last two years, I'd say, pretty hard matchmaking um, on PBC on Showtime fights. Um if that's what they want, okay, maybe they're not going to get the huge volume. I mean, there is some room. It's like if Miller <laughs> Bogdan is, you know, the worst example of activity over quality, it's like there's room for something a little bit in between where, you know, you're showcasing the Charlo brothers together on broadcast Fox. That's going to raise their profile. And then if Espinoza wants to be selective of which fights he chooses, so be it. And again, it's like one out of the three paper. It's like there's a strong case for that fight to go to Showtime, but you know that's one out of the three pay-per-views. And there's so many reasons for that fight to go to Fox. As you said, it's like Spence is friends with the Cowboys. It's in Cowboys Stadium. That's a fight that makes sense to promote alongside the NFL on Fox Sports. It, you know, that's it just it makes sense. As you said, Pac Broner, it's like, what are you going to do if you put Pacquiao at a football game? It's like one, he's already reasonably a household name. He doesn't care about American football. It's just, you know, it's not a good synergistic match, you know, as opposed to putting, uh, you know, saw Spence's last fight. They did a lot of the promotion hand in hand with the Cowboys. They sold out the practice stadium. Uh, against an absolutely nothing opponent who brought nothing to the promotion. I mean, this time against a real real opponent, given this lead time, given the tie-in with Fox, I think they'll be able to do a lot of business. Again, natural pairing uh, with Fox. Anyway, um, back to you. And, and also, like, I don't think it's network versus network. I think, like Fox has said, we don't choose the fights. Like, PBC chooses the fights. We just air them. And I think right, right. they're going to work hand-in-hand to see how best they can leverage the two networks. Um, and, uh, oh, also one last thing, um, just, uh, rewinding a little bit about the whole UFC, uh, or sorry, not the UFC, but the PBC and Fox pay-per-view thing. Um, the reason why boxing left network TV was not because like the ratings continually went down, but it was basically that network TV saw no incentive to keep airing boxing because they would take the time to build fighters and stuff. And then promoters would just take them to pay-per-view where, they got nothing in return. So they were just like, all right, screw it. We're not going to, like, we don't want boxing. Like, just go to the pay-per-view networks because we're obviously, like, we get no return on our investment. Um, which, by the way, is kind of like a thing in boxing of, like, everyone wants to get a return on their investment. But um, more on that on the Patreon feed coming up this week. Anyway, um, 
I'm just going to change the subjects real quick, but um, <laughs> yeah, we spent a long time on this. So like, I don't know if you saw, but they were like, there's a Fox brought out this little machine where it like this punch thing that measured like the power on the punches. Did you see that? Yeah, that was a fun clip. I saw that. Yeah. So like uh, a lot of the guys, the heavyweights, everyone was trying it. Uh, Mikey didn't try it. Um, but guess who won? If you know, don't don't guess. I know. Yeah. Okay. Well, you would think that it was one of the heavyweights, or you may think that it was Spence. But the the winner who like from the little fox machine that measured the hardest punch uh, was Anthony Durrell. <laughs> I mean, doesn't really come off as like the biggest puncher, but he's a big guy. It, it was very funny watching it. It also highlights, like, look, those things have been around forever. Like, there are videos online of, like, Anthony Joshua hitting one. Like, it's it's always, like, uh, they'll bring it out when, when fighters are doing, like, morning shows or talk shows. Um, it, it does, like, have you ever hit one of those? No, I only hit people. <laughs> Noted. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know how many, how many bodies you have. Uh, anyway, um, but he... Um, it's it's like when you hit it, it's like it's not like a normal punch. Like for anyone who saw the video, you know, it's like you're sort of like winding up your whole body. It's not really a boxing punch. I mean, like it was funny the Spence thing for two reasons. Because yeah, not only Spence didn't just not win, he actually did like terribly. <laughs> uh, he didn't do as like, bad as some people, but he didn't get a super high number. I thought he was the lowest or lowest or second lowest. There um, was one. There was one guy who was teasing Spence, and he's like, you know, Mikey punched got higher. <laughs> Mikey didn't punch the thing. Yeah, but um, uh, yeah, it was funny both because like I think Spence even commented before he hit it. He's like he's never hit one of those. Whereas like the other guys clearly had like tried to impress like girls and like I don't know pizza parlors or wherever I don't know wherever you have one of those things. Like that that reference made no sense. But um, Tom has one in his yeah, it's basement. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like there were other people who clearly played with those. It also like yeah, Spence looked like very awkward. Like I'm not surprised like Mikey Garcia didn't do it. It was like. It's like a little bit embarrassing. It's like seeing someone who just like he looked very uncoordinated while he did it. Like not only did he get a low number, it's like yeah, <laughs> Anthony Durrell was like buzzing and like a few of the other guys even like I'm trying to think. I don't remember Zomar Figueroa. Is like some of the other like smaller guys even like got pretty high numbers. Um. Anyway, uh, go on. Uh, so, what uh, would you say if you look at their schedule? What What are the two best fights for you? Ooh, interesting question. Um. It's hard to answer in that way, but there are a bunch of like under the radar fights that I really like. I'll, no, I'll sort you of... have to. We have to. All the fights are going to get canceled. You can only choose two that still will happen. Which two would you pick? Sure, I'm going to sort of find a way to answer it my own way. Anyways, so the first one I'll just say is Spence Garcia. I am super super pumped for that fight for like 50 different reasons. Um, and then don't name them. <laughs> we'll have time we have months just like fox will have plenty of time to build the fight on their uh networks yeah but um uh i'd say uh lamont peterson sergey lipinets <laughs> well i said i had an under the radar fight and that's okay what well just, don't answer that anyway it, rather than give us 50 reasons um just give us like three why why well spence garcia or lipinets uh, the Lipinets fight. Yeah, I just think it's a good, like, Lipinets, I think, probably deserve to be, like, two or three. I mean, th- you know, three or maybe even two at 140. He got iced out of the World Boxing Super Series. That sucks. Uh, he's now trying to do something at 147, which I think is probably 
not going to work out for him. I don't think they announced what weight class that this this was going to be at. Lamont Peterson is a guy who, you know, I, I don't think it would make 140 at this point, so it's probably 147. But, um, yeah, I like both of the guys. Lipinets very aggressive. Um, did quite well against Mikey Garcia, which I think at the time people really, like, didn't give him enough credit for. Um, they sort of took it out on Mikey Garcia instead of giving Lipinets credit. Like, Lipinets is a guy, again, it's like, let's show Alex Tocito more. Um, obliter- obliterated Lenny Z. I mean, that was still a fight where he got hit a certain amount because that's just how Lenny Z fights. I mean, he's, he's all aggression, but, um, you know, took his soul in the end. Um, <laughs> didn't almost get stopped on, like, Alex Tocito. So, again, I think he's a pretty good guy. And Lamont Peterson is a guy I've always liked. I felt kind of bad for him since he got sent to hell by Spence. I mean, you know, when Guys like uh, Porter and Thurman won't fight him. Want Peterson took the fight, didn't have too many options, um, took a tough loss. But I've always liked him. He's given the sport a lot over the course of his career. He's always wanted to be more active, but he's sort of found himself in a position where he's really only fighting when he has really good opportunities. So this is just yeah, again, chance for him to be active. I think it will be a very interesting fight. I think uh, Lipniets is kind of you know definitely smaller in terms of his frame size. But uh, I think a stronger puncher. So I think like I think those two styles will mesh well. Okay, my two fights. Um, I probably shouldn't agree with you, but I will agree with you. Obviously, Spence versus Garcia, the most fascinating fight in boxing, um, for one simple reason: if Gar- like Garcia is better than Spence pound for pound, that's not even a conversation. Well, I think that is a debate. That's one of the interesting elements. But no, yeah, brother, Spence has not beaten anybody like Garcia. Like, well, Garcia's resume is far better than Spence's, like is how I should say that. Yeah, that's I'll agree with that. So, like, pound for pound, Garcia, I mean, just in the way, like, the technique. Like, Garcia is just pretty tight with all of his technique. There's very few things you can say bad about Garcia. You can say Spence gets hit a bit, whatever. Okay, Garcia is better than Spence pound for pound. Now, it's not like we're comparing Mikey Garcia and Alex Sacedo. It's like these dudes are still hanging around the list. It's just Mikey's a couple spots maybe just one or two, depends on how you feel, uh, above Spence. So, like, Garcia, pound for pound, better than Spence. As a boxer, better than Spence. But, obviously, the size comes into play. But Mikey seems really confident. And now, obviously, he has to be um, if he takes the fight. But, like, he's legitimately saying, like, we would not take the fight if we didn't think we had a shot. So, and I don't think that shot is to land a Hail Mary, like, right hand. Don't think it's that. Like, that's what they mean. So, I saw them both like standing right in front of me. Like if if I want, like I could have easily just touched them. All right, so I'm within speaking to both of them. The size difference, like, look, it's there's a size difference, okay? But it wasn't like huge. It wasn't like um like <laughs> Michael B. Jordan and the guy who's playing Ivan Drago's son, which that's supposed to be. I I, I haven't seen the movie yet. But it's supposed to be a light heavyweight fight, and one dude looks like he weighs 230. Um, it's not like that. And Spence only gets to rehydrate 10 pounds. Uh, so there couldn't, there might not be that big of a difference between the two of them on fight night. Now, like obviously, like their functional weight, maybe that's that a different story. But Mikey's a better boxer. Some of the fighters there at the PBC event did say Mikey has like people are sleeping on Mikey. Mikey has a shot. Even up to Mikey will win. Um, amongst the boxers, they don't see it as like that big of a mismatch. So take that for what it's worth, but it's still a fascinating fight. And then the other fight is, uh, Jose Uzcategui versus Caleb Plant. 
Um, oh. This is a oh, really you're making good fight. fun of me for calling it the Lipinets fight. Yeah, anyway, I'll see yeah, you for it. Sell me Lamont on that. Peterson one. and Sergey Lipinets are both coming off of losses. Like, sit down. Okay, we're talking about Jose Uzcadi. No, Lipinets had a fight in August that I was at, by the way. Yeah, bro, but like, so what? He fought nobody. We're talking about Jose Uzcategui, who's coming off of looking not so impressive, even though he's a world champion, on some top-ranked card. Back over to PBC, fighting Caleb Plant, who is this prospect on the rise, who we think is pretty good, but hasn't really proven that he's, like, great in the ring. And their <laughs> styles perfectly match up. Uzcategui is tough. He's going to make things difficult in the fight. Yeah, Caleb Plant's going to try to try to outbox him. Um, this is an FS1 card. I think this is a really good fight. Um, I don't think it's going to be super entertaining, but like as far as finding out who's going to be the next guy to rise at 168, if Uzkadagui can beat Plant, and not just by like banging him out, but even if he does, it's going to say something about him because Plant's going to bring the footwork, the movement that Uzkadagui will struggle with if he doesn't have a, like a game plan on how to attack that. And on the same the same thing, Plant has to have the chin for this. He has to have the the, the, the stamina to go 12 rounds to withstand a guy who's going to try to like wear him out over 12 rounds. I think this is a really good fight, on paper at least. Who knows? It probably isn't going to be a pretty fight, but um, I think it's a good fight in terms of like these are guys that you want to see. like like They're fighting each other at the right time in their careers with enough intrigue and mystery to make this fight really interesting. Um, shout out yeah. to your Dennis Ugas fighting Sean Porter. Um Ugas. Yeah, that's a pretty good fight as well. That's what I was saying. Like the, these sort of under the radar ones are the ones where I was like, "Oh, I didn't expect those fights to get made," and I'm totally looking forward to those. I mean, I'm not going to say that. I'll just say that I like Ugas. So, that's a personal one. Um, uh, let's see. Oh, let me just respond to the plant one quickly, or do you want to finish your whole? Oh, go on. Uh, you can you can respond yeah. to that. No, that's that's an okay fight. The reason why I kind of grew, it was like maybe a little bit unfair. I mean, Plant is a guy who like he's lost very few rounds in his entire career. Like he's a guy who will just go out and every fight's the same. It's like you know, uh, unanimous decision. He's won every round, or you know, it's like maybe he'll win it, lose a token round on like one of the cards. But generally speaking, like he's just blanking everyone. And um, I don't know. I mean, look, if he beats Uzkadagi, I mean, the reason why I was originally so negative, my like sort of hot take was, well, it's either Caleb Plant is going to end up being shown to be, he's either going to be exposed and knocked out or he's going to outbox Uzkategi in a boring decision. But really, if he wins a boring decision against Uzkategi, that actually would mean a lot. That would mean he's like a boxer with the talent to be in the top five at 168, and he could actually be a really annoying problem for the guys there. So that is interesting. I think I simply don't think he's that good. I think Uzkatsugi is just going to beat him. Probably won't knock him out because uh, Plant's a good enough boxer. I think he'll be able to survive. But I think it's probably just going to end up being like Uzkatsugi is just better than Plant. And, I, you know, I think we'll just kind of move on and forget about Plant after that. Um, I don't think we're going to be given that opportunity. I think Plant's going to be around for a long time. Win or lose. Well, he is in between the boyfriend the of uh, Jordan Hardy, the, the PBC social, me- social media lady. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like he gets... I'm going to stay quiet uh, here. Even the relatively limited notoriety he gets is, is, has a lot to do with that more than his ability. But anyway, go on. I, I'm just going to stay quiet here. Um, 
who's the biggest loser of this deal with Fox? I mean, the shit take is Steven Espinoza, and then you go, oh, damn, Showtime screwed. But no, they're fine. Um, it's a good question. Um, uh, let Come back to me. Who, who's your pick? Top rank. Now, settle down, okay? Settle down. Not you, Tom, but the listener who's just like, oh, he's going to, he's going to, he's such a PB. No, I'm, I'm not going to. Look, the biggest loser here is top rank, and it's not because like of anything they did they're they're a victim of their own success top rank is putting out maybe uh, until they act pbc's deal with fox gets started top rank's putting out the best product right now obviously pbc hasn't done much these last few months golden boys i don't know what golden boy is doing uh the dazen thing has been a comical disaster so far and when you look at the competition Top Rank's putting out the best product, okay? But now, the reason why they fa- they're the biggest loser here is because they were first. Nobody had set the precedent. I bet Top Rank looks at the days and deal, looks at what uh, what PBC's getting uh, with, with Fox and Showtime, and they look at what Golden Boy got with days and two, and they're like, damn, if only we would have waited, because I bet that they get they get the few the uh, uh, let me say this correctly. I bet that they get or they have the the smallest budget in terms of the scope of their stable and how many fights they're supposed to put on. I bet they have the least amount of money to work with, and yet they're they're making it work. Now they do a good job because they keep things in house and blah blah blah. They're smart at what what they do and they're making it work. No doubt about that. But I bet or they shouldn't have the the cheapest deal. And I don't know for a fact that that's the case, but I have. A good hunch. Very strong indication. Yeah, I have a good hunch. There are signs that they got the, the smallest budget to work with. And I think that they're the loser because they, they were just first. And that's what happens when you're first on something. You could be you could have gotten the biggest deal and nobody else matched up to that. Or you got the smallest one. You set the precedent. And then everyone else basically benefited off of you being first. Kind of like how PBC did their whole experiment with PBC at the beginning. And they wound up not being the first one to get a deal. But also they benefited in the end by signing at the right time. So I, I think top rank is the loser here. Don't take this as me saying that top rank is doing a bad job or anything like that. It's just, Hey, t- they, timing is everything. Yeah, I definitely have a response to that. I mean, I think it's interesting. Like, um, it's like you, you have to understand when it's like, what is a good deal? What is a bad deal? Is a promoter doing a good job? Is a promoter doing a bad job? It's like, Let's let's look at let's compare two fighters like Errol Spence and uh, Alex Sacedo. I'm going to bring him up again. Oh God! <laughs> so it's like Errol Spence is a lot better than Alex Sacedo. That doesn't mean is that he? like the PBC side is like better at promoting Spence. It means you're dealing with a much better fighter who got you know signed to a much better deal out of the Olympics than Jose Uzca- or not Jose actually Alex Sacedo when he turned pro as a you know okay but not that successful amateur um you know that that but at the same time it's like alex Sacedo, a top rank built him into a draw like he's not good at all he's at best maybe like 15 at 140 and they built him up into a draw like he drew money like there are fighters who are in the top 20 pound for pound who can't draw any money and they were able to get alex Sacedo to a point to draw money like that is good promoting and to the point of comparing the different deals i mean like top rank has a significantly smaller roster 
and no pay-per-view stars. So it's like they don't have a huge roster. They don't have any pay-per-views. I mean, they got a very good deal relative to who they are. And the thing which is interesting about that, both on the ESPN side and the top rank side, was like basically top rank looked at it of like we give us dates. Like what we want is dates. We trust our ability as a promoter. If you guys give us dates, we can take a guy who's relatively unheralded and not even necessarily that good, and we can use that to create, you know, profit for ourselves. I mean, every indication seems to be, I mean, I don't think anyone has reported anything otherwise that top rank gets the money on, you know, all of their live gates. It's like top ESPN is, is paying for television broadcasts. So it's like if they can get a guy and sell tickets, that's just extra money for them. And it's like, you know, they have succeeded at doing that. They have the belief that we have good matchmakers. We can take a guy, we can match him right. We can turn that into something which generates money. So it's like, I don't know. I, I mean, I have nothing but respect for them for what they've done given their roster. I mean, if you look at the roster when they signed the deal, it's like you have two, like I've said this before, like people pipe up the pound for pound credentials, Lomachenko and Crawford. But, you know, if you compare the top five draws at the PC to the top five draws at ESPN, it's like there's no comparison. It's like they have two guys who are sort of on like the middle, the lower half of the top five uh, at the ESPN uh, to the compared to the PBC. And it's like the PBC have like, you know, three pay-per-views uh, in the next few months. It's like there's no difference in the amount of money they'll generate. So it's like, I don't know, top rank – they like to, to, you know, puff themselves up and make big, bold statements. I mean, like Carl Moretti, <laughs> you know, acts like, uh, you know, just completely ridiculous, makes big ball statements on Twitter. But it's like, yeah, they're they're kind of the scrappy underdogs in this story. And, you know, I have to say they're not doing the worst job. A- anyway, that's not really a direct response to what you said. That's just sort of my comment on the where they stand. Just just trying to go, in, go into business for yourself, huh? <laughs> just trying to get yourself sort over. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I agree. Top rank, look, top rank is operating on a smaller, on a smaller scale than PBC. There's no doubt about that. And they that got the lower the main thing. Point I wanted to make was it's not just their budget; it's really the the number of fighters they have and who those fighters are. And let like, me just make this clear for those situation. of you listening. Yeah, this is not a criticism. This is not like us. Sh- like trying to say something bad about top rank it's literally just a fact like they're, they have a smaller stable in pbc and they signed for probably what we believe is the cheapest deal and that's not just like speculation or conjecture or something that's like based off of what we have heard and know and understand about this um but this is not like us trying to talk down on top rank it's just the facts of the deal and i i'm kind of pity them and i feel bad about that because there's no way it's like almost makes me mad that Dazen has a bigger like budget for boxing um that they've given to eddie hearn than what top rank gets when top rank is clearly doing a better job has done a better job and look those guys are masters like alex Saucedo fighting in the main event that's pretty masterful stuff there Go on. I yeah, I mean, you. that's where I think like people misunderstand us. It's like when we're saying Alex Salcedo in the main event when he's a shitty fighter is not an insult when to top rank. That. That's praising them as a promoter <laughs> that yeah. they were able to get that guy to that point. It's like that means they are a good you know promoter dealing with a guy who's very flawed. Yeah, um, and there are multiple ways to do that. Um, uh, so should we just talk about Alex Saucedo for the rest of this, or do we want to like talk about something else? 
clearly he's the fighter who's on my mind more than it. You know, I, I just like, look, if my brand is I'm the PBC shill, like, what a humiliating loss for top rank. I mean, they paid so Tom's much. I'm just going to so lean into it now. <laughs> so much more for that fight than it was worth. It was broadcast at midnight on the East Coast. I mean, what was the point of them doing it? And then they just, you know, had their fighter, you know, humiliated and his brand destroyed on national television. Like, there well, the good almost... thing is, not many people were watching it because it was on midnight on at midnight on the East Coast, right? Well, in front of all of his hometown fans, who were obviously silent uh, as Hooker was annihilating him. Uh, yeah, um, I guess that is a point that we could talk about. Is like top rank won that purse bid by like seventy thousand dollars from Matchroom to air that fight, and then it blew up in their face. Yeah, the the look on Carl Moretti's face afterwards was absolutely priceless. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, well, so here's one more thing we didn't comment about that. So now uh, that sets up Hooker as one of the bigger guys in the Matchroom USA stable. He'll probably be headlining fights. I think Hearn has said he wants to headline a fight. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, it's like, but then there's the other side of it. it's like, okay, maybe Hooker's like in the top ten at at 140. I still think he would lose to the top World Boxing Super Series guy, but it's like. Okay, he, he, you know, it's like Saucedo was worse than we even thought, and uh, Hooker is better than we thought, but it's like, still probably not that good. Yeah, and again, top rank has no one to put him in with, so it's unfortunate. It's like, I kind of, I mean, look, Hooker gave some great interviews this week. I mean, he's an example of a guy, it's like, you win a title and you get that much better. The confidence shoots up. Like, his interviews this week were hilarious. He's like, he's got, like, just a fun, fun accent, fun personality, like, He's another character in the sport. Uh, you know, feel feel good for him that he won. But yeah, again, it kind of sucks. It's like, still feels like his career is kind of going to go nowhere on, um, <laughs> you know, if he's going to fight the level of guys that like Tevin Farmer is fighting. It's like, how excited are we supposed to be about that? I mean, just like, want to say this. Farmer. Maybe tone your praise down. He's, this guy's built, Maurice Hooker's built his resume off of a draw with Darlis Perez, a win over Terry Flanagan, and a win over Alex Sacedo. Yeah, but again, it's like you get outside of the top 10, and it's not like you're going to find someone who has a better case than him. You know, it's like I, I think I'm being pretty fair by saying he's probably in the lower half of the top 10. Well, I don't discuss rankings. I think rankings are stupid, but um, um, you can do that. I'm not going to do that. So you're, you're right. I'm not going to disagree with what you said in terms of rankings. I think. If I were to probably try to rank him, maybe even be higher than like number ten, but because um, yeah, there's there's like he's better than Anthony Yigit, right? Um, that might be a decision fight. That, what does <laughs> that have to do with him being better? You you can't decision uh-uh. people. Well, I don't think it would be like a dominant win. Okay, well, I, I think that's a competitive fight. Okay, well, you know, I okay fine I, i'm not optimistic about hooker's future because um just looking at what tevin farmer's matchmaking has been this year um just hasn't been great so who knows what what is in the in the cards um i mean tevin farmer's next fight is against francisco fonseca who Gervonta davis beat up with a cold or sickness or just didn't train and was actually in girl collection like we believe he was hmm. um let's move on Unless, again, you want to talk about Alex Sacedo some more. How does Cal Yafai <laughs> do against Alex Sacedo? He's Isn't a Cal Yafai fight at like uh, 115. Yeah. 
He's fighting Israel Gonzalez this week oh, on a Dazen okay. card from uh, uh, Monte Carlo. One of those fights. Uh, Michael Hunter is making a return. He was supposed to fight at heavyweight on this card, but Dennis Lebedev's opponent. Um, hold on, am I getting this right? Who knows? Who cares? I don't think so. Dennis Lebedev's. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where you're going. I, he's going to fight uh, Michael Hunter because one of their opponents just like couldn't get a visa or something. So Lebedev. Oh, is that happening? Yeah. That's and, actually a really interesting fight. I didn't know that. Yeah, real interesting. Um, and then the at night we will see Dimitri Bivol versus John Pascal. Um, which fight do you want to talk about? You can only talk about oh, one. Oh, Dennis Lebedev. Oh God, you that's the that's the wrong answer. Why Look, would you want to talk about the Dennis Lebedev fight? If you did not see the Marek Gassiev fight, and I'm saying this to you, but also all the listeners, that fight was fucking awesome. Like, Lebedev is super old. He looks like he, his body is now 50% steroids by uh, by body weight. Uh, <laughs> that, that fight was hilarious, but it was awesome. I loved it. Um, yeah, I, I can't wait. Uh, to see him and like Mike Hunter is a guy who I like, like I I'd said this before, like he was probably, you know, he was number one or number two cruiserweight in the world. He was a 2012 U S Olympian. I like him. He had a nice win at heavyweight in his last fight, um, against an undefeated fighter. So yeah, uh, that's a good fight. I mean, like they're both basically cruiserweights, but Lebedev has fought at heavyweight and so has Hunter now. So, um, yeah, not a bad fight between basically two cruiserweights who don't need to make weight. Um, I think this, this could definitely be like, I would favor Hunter in the fight. I think this is a chance for him really to like rehab his career. If he, like he could even stop Lebedev. Um, yeah, fun fight. Okay. Um, I got this a little mixed up. So Dennis Lebedev is fighting Mike Wilson. Who... Oh, God damn it. Why are you wasting my time? Wow. That's from, uh, heaven to hell. Yeah, no, uh, Mike I not Wilson shit about is 19 and 0. He's 35 years old. His nickname is White Delight. He's got a cool tattoo across his chest, shaved head. He's from Medford, Oregon. Um, how many great fighters do you know from Oregon? Uh, Mike Wilson now. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's nothing I like more than a 35-year-old prospect. Uh, I, did I call him a prospect? His next fight is already scheduled. He'll be fighting... Um, <laughs> Tom Bob Anderson at the Jackson County Expo in Central Point, Oregon, and uh, he is is I guess this is his wife or his sister or something. White Delight Promotions will be promoting it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I love he has been absolutely tearing up the Jackson County uh, Expo Center. Uh, if anyone is from Oregon, please, I need a scouting report on the Nobody's Jackson County Oregon. Expo Center. Uh, like, he's even headlining those cards. He is headlining those cards. I mean, this is this is absolutely hilarious. That white, like, I need to like some. Oh my god, I need to search. Like, that is how I'm going to spend this week, uh, <laughs> figuring out what White Delight Promotions is with yeah Jennifer Wilson. His, it's just like, did just like a husband and wife decide like I'm going to become a boxer? You promote my fights. We'll do it at the County Expo Center. Like. What a fascinating story. Anyway, anyway uh, go on. Yeah, th- this is clearly the, the the news and the reporting we need. Um, That's yep, why so, people come to our podcast. We hit the hard stories that no one else is, is daring enough to do. Uh, I, don't, I don't know about that White Delight name. 
<laughs> yeah, well, especially he's got a shaved head that really starts to flirt with like Trump country a little bit to an uncomfortable extent. Well, yeah, I'm not going there. Um, not going there. Uh, I wanted to talk about the Bivol fight. Uh, you picked <laughs> sure, this. Let's go for it. Uh, you Bivol. lied to me. You told. Well, you didn't lie. No, well, I got it wrong. You told, it was, you told me it was Michael Hunter. There is a world of difference between Michael Hunter and well, Mike White. Michael Hunter is fighting Alexander Ustinov. Zhang Ziling could not get a visa or something like that. So Michael Hunter stepped in to fight Ustinov, which Hunter should win that fight. Um, Lebedev should beat Mike Wilson. And uh, anyway, Dimitri Bivol is going to fight John Pascal, which is... <laughs> they're on a collision course, and my dream will come true one day. Mike Wilson versus Michael Hunter? <laughs> uh, no, the, the winner of the two fights facing off. Um, yeah, anyway, uh, we can talk about Bivol. Sorry, enough of my garbage. Uh, yeah, Bivol is, um, in my opinion, one of the best fighters under the age of 30 in the entire sport. Um, I like Bivol. I think there's really nobody at light heavyweight that could beat him. Uh, and I've said this for a while. I, you know, before, um, Kovalev got stopped by Alvarez, I try to tell people, why are you sleeping on Bivol? Like Bivol will end Kovalev's career and people push back on that. I'm like, dude, Bivol is really good. Kovalev is done. You think yeah, he's people overrating washed Kovalev. And, and like, obviously, Kovalev went and lost, you know, to Alvarez, whatever. But Bivol's legitimately good. I know he had a, a little bit of trouble with Chalemba. But, like, when has Chalemba ever not made things difficult for people? Like, that's literally, like, his gimmick is, like, you're, you're going to beat me. But believe me, no one will ever want to see you fight again. Um, But Pascal, on the other hand, you know, I, I, I praise Bivol. Because you're supposed to praise people before you criticize them. Uh, this matchmaking is terrible. Now, obviously, that doesn't that doesn't have anything to do with Bivol. I don't think Bivol looked at box rec or whatever and was like, "Oh yeah, bring me John Pascal. Um, I want to fight him." That's probably not what happened. And I know Pascal um, had that fight with Ahmed Albiali where he stopped him, and then he fought the the hockey goon. Um, yeah, that that was a thing. Uh, John Pascal <laughs> fought like this famous hockey goon in Canada. <laughs> if you don't know what a hockey goon is, if you're like British or something, a hockey goon is like a guy who's like on the team that isn't very good, but his sole like job on the team is to fight with guys on the other team. And so I guess uh, Steve Bosse was a hockey goon and uh, Pascal took eight rounds to stop him. Uh, and then uh, now he's fighting Dimitri Bivol. Amazing. Um, I have nothing more to say on this fight. This is like HBO fulfilling their agreements. And yeah, this is con contractual obligation theater. Um, yeah, I'll be a little bit uh, less harsh on that. Um, yeah, I agree. I like Bivol as well. Um, it's a little frustrating that he probably wherever he ends up is not going to have too many good dance partners. The partners, the 175 division is one of the most fractured in the sport. I definitely wouldn't rank him number one. I know you just shit on the notion of rankings, but um, he, uh, I don't know. I mean, you definitely can't put him above a lighter Alvarez, Adonis Stevenson, Badu Jack. I mean, I just, I don't think that's reasonable given his resume. He, he did look uh, not great at all against Isaac Chalamba. Isaac Chalamba made it very competitive. Um, the scorecards in that fight were very bad. I had him losing uh, at least four rounds um, and especially towards the end of the fight really fell off, which is not what you want to see. You know, it's like, okay, Chalemba's a tough fight, but 
if you're you know a good fighter, you should be taking over the second half. I also think Jean Pascal has enough left in the gas tank. He upset uh, Prospect uh, two fights ago. Ahmed Albiali. Right. He also went the distance with Alvarez uh, not too recently. And what was a pretty dominant fight, although it was to score sort of a, a shock majority decision, it was a pretty dominant win for a lighter Alvarez. So, you know, he has a chance to, to one-up uh, Alvarez. So, yeah, I, I think not that bad. I mean, you know, it's like we, we're shooting on HBO, but it's like this makes sense for Bivol. I'm um, not, you are. <laughs> um, makes sense for Bivol, and it will just you know be very interesting to see where he goes from here because he's a guy again. It's like when you talk about this ar- boxing arms race, to borrow your phrase, um, he's you know not really a draw. <laughs> let's be blunt, um, but you know he he's a guy who has a lot of potential in the sport. Uh, definitely could end up being the top guy at 175. Um, unfortunately, as I said, probably wherever he ends up, he's not going to have great matchmaking, especially if he does end up at DAZN, like a lot that Eddie Hearn can, can feed him. But, um, yeah, uh, I like him. I think as a standalone fight, not that bad. Um, on the undercard, Sergey Kuzmin will fight Laron Mitchell. Um, and then there's two fights specifically that you should actually care about from this card. Chakram Giasov versus Miguel Zamudio. Now, this is going to be brutal. Zamudio has been beat by everyone. and um, But this is a chance to see Chakram Giasov, who is was one of the uh, top... Uh, how do I want to say this? He was a, a standout Olympian from the 2016 Olympics, as well as Evgeny Tyshenko, who won gold, although he probably shouldn't have won gold. But needless to say, that's not to say at least that he's like not good, because he is. Um, these are two guys that'll fight. I don't know if they'll broadcast the um, untelevised undercard, but yeah, certainly these not. two guys. This isn't an eight-hour zone broadcast. Yeah, these are guys to check out, though. Um, Shakram Giasov, Evgeny Tyshenko. Uh, these guys are fighting on the untelevised portion of the undercard, and Tashenko's fighting. He's two and zero. He's fighting a guy that's eleven and one, which is like that. You know, eleven and one can be a lot of different things. That doesn't necessarily mean you're good, but it at least means that you were able to beat eleven people. So that's like a step in the right direction. Albeit we don't know how big of a step that actually is. Um, so that's it for this week. Is there anything else we should touch on? Um, you want to talk about Alex showdown? <laughs> well, indirectly, but yeah, Spence Crawford showdown. Did you see those clips? I did. I watched it. They were very entertaining, and I don't really want to talk about it because, you know, it's funny. The people who say that, oh, Danny Jacobs has Jamal Charlo shook are probably the same people that are <laughs> right, saying Terrence right, Crawford right. has Errol Spence shook. And it's like, uh, guys, um, those guys had fun with each other. Like, yeah, that, I, just, like, I thought it was could, fun. I mean, this is the most personality we've ever seen from Crawford. Or both it was them. hilarious that Bob Arum was kind of in the mix. You know, yeah, again, it's like the premise of like he shook is kind of stupid. It's like Spence was at a top rank show and then Crawford came up. You know, it's like, yeah, it doesn't really mean that much in, ter- in terms of substantive things. But it's funny. I think it also is sort of interesting, like when uh, Spence called out Crawford uh, and that night where he was almost certainly drunk and uh, being very energetic. Um, it's another kind of indication that um, Spence is trying to get Crawford to call him out. You know, it's like it seems like um, 
this is a pretty deliberate strategy. You know, we saw that once we're seeing it again. I, I, I don't think that's happening by accident. You know, it's like he's putting himself in positions either by, you know, he's calling him out. He's not waiting for, to be asked by journalists. You know, it's like he's calling him out. He's going to top rank shows like um, I think that'll be really interesting if we can. You know, we already saw this from Spence. Like he called out Brooke who's with a rival promoter and he made that fight happen. You know, he, he maneuvered into the IBF mandatory slot. He waited for that opportunity. He, he had to sit out a bunch of his career to do that. If you, you know, so like about six months of his career, um, probably missed about, you know, one, eh, probably only one fight, but missed a fight, but he, he forced that issue because he was confident he could win. I mean, I love the interaction. I mean, to me, like both guys are super confident. They both would love that fight. Um, yeah, I, again, I was excited, and to me, it's a further indication actually might happen. You know, if they want it to happen, it'll happen. And, you know, if Spence, after he fights Mikey Garcia on pay-per-view, that paves the way for that to be a pay-per-view fight, potentially. So, Assuming yeah, I wouldn't either loses, it, that fight is happening. This makes for it sure. likely. Like, I What's have happening? no doubt. That fight is going to happen, no doubt. Spence unless, Crawford. Yeah, unless they, one of them loses, um, that fight's going to well, happen. Well, I mean, sooner than later. You know, it's not really a hot take to say that it will happen in the next 10 years. But, yeah, I think it could happen sooner than later is my take. Um, um, at, you know, at the P, you know, the PBC thing was pretty interesting because you have like 20 something fighters all together. Um, and specifically when they were trying like Fox wanted to take a picture of all of them. I'm sure you've seen that picture of them all standing together. Like, yeah, I may or may not have posted on Twitter like those guys. They you know, these are fighters, but they are super friendly with each other. Like, there's a camaraderie that they have, and I don't know if that's because they're friends already or, like, they just kind of, like, have a, a mutual respect for each other. But, like, with Spence and Crawford, those guys don't hate each other. Like, Charlo was – act like, Charlo had a conversation with Austin Trout, and, like, you know, Charlo is – like, the Charlos are not friendly guys. Probably the least <laughs> friendly guys of any fighters that I've seen. Okay? Perpetually furious, as one Reddit poster once said. I mean, they're they're – not like um, Caleb Plant, who just seems kind of like chip on his shoulder and doesn't say anything. But the the Charlos are like entertaining, like but j they're not also like they just don't they're not fuzzy guys. But these guys like they talk with each other. They talked with um, Austin Trout and like they're just friendly with each other. Um, I, at one point, Spence, Thurman, Garcia, and Mikey all had a laugh about something while they're standing next to each other, and it's like those guys like you see fighters like. Spence and Crawford they had these little showdowns. Nobody got shook. These guys are having fun. Um, that that's just this is their job, you know. And so I don't really look at it like who got shook and who's scared or something. I mean, Mikey or not Mikey, um, Pacquiao and Mayweather. They see each other at a basketball game, and sooner or later, or soon enough, we see these two guys are going to fight each other. So look, we can read all we want into this, and I, I don't think no, neither of us is like a body language doctor. So like, what are we going to do? I'm not going to read nobody's mind. So with that said, that's it for this episode. As always, thank you, Tom, for coming on, being on the podcast with us, or, well, us, like me and my imaginary friend here. Um, if you like the podcast, please go on iTunes, leave a review, or on Google Play or whatever you use uh, to listen to podcasts, leave a review. Um, share it, retweet us, do all that social media stuff. Tom, is there anything you want to say to the good listeners? No, just everyone out there in America, enjoy your fight. <laughs> I mean, enjoy your fight. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. 
Um, couple Are you of good fights Survivor next series? week. I'm gonna look forward to. Um, probably not. Uh, I was saying I'm I'm looking forward to catching up on Takeover from last night, which I haven't checked out yet. But uh, yeah, what's the elevator pitch on uh, Survivor Series? What should we look forward to? Very. I don't quick. know, man. Becky Lynch is going to be on it. No, she got injured. Are you talking about? Are you excited for uh, Brock Lesnar and Daniel Bryan? Well, she's totally going to interfere. Yeah, I think that's extremely likely. Or, or at least like I don't know. Just Becky Lynch. Just look. Just listening to her talk right now. Best thing you can do. That's my pitch. She has a good promo and a very interesting accent. But uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. That's all I got for this week. All right, Alex Sacedo. Anything else you want to say about him? I think we've sufficiently covered that one. All right. Thanks for listening.